This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. Russell Westbrook is off to Houston. It's going to be scary. Not for us. <laughs> no! James Harden just caught a body here in Los Angeles. And Westbrook is on the freeway. What's up, guys? Welcome to this podcast. My name is Saul Monali at Saul Monali NBA on Twitter. Here joined by the legendary Dave Hardstein, founder of ClutchFans.com. How you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So as soon as the report came down the pipeline last week about the Russell Westbrook trade demand, I thought of one person and one person only to have on this podcast. (laughs) And it's the guy who was possibly more negative about the Westbrook trade for Houston than I was. Like we used to always talk about this, the Bowers of Toyota Center back when we were allowed to be in the same room and speak to each other at a normal distance. Uh, Dave, I've been dying to ask you this all week. Like where's your head out with all this craziness? I mean, it's just unfortunate. I, you know, I, you know, I was really, I guess when that when they made that trade, I, I could see this exact scenario happening, but not in one year. I did I did not see this happening whatsoever. I mean, I, I did feel that you know Daryl and Harden and Westbrook would all be gone long before this debt was paid. Um, but uh, for this to happen so soon, I mean, I, I'm I'm frustrated. I'm angry, like a lot of Rocket fans. Um, and I'm right now, I'm just kind of, you know, just, I don't want to see the Rockets make further mistakes because right now is the time that, you know, um, they've, they've got to get their head right and, and, and make the right moves here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, to me, I think, you know, I think it was pretty clear. Chris Paul was a better fit than Russell Westbrook. I think that this season played out that way. Uh, and the, you know, I think the price that they paid at that time in that trade, it's probably going to go down as maybe a top 10 uh, worst trade in NBA history, in my opinion, uh, maybe higher. There's been some real doozies, some real bad ones, but I think it's it's certainly up there, in my opinion. Yeah, I never understood it. And even at the time, I, I was just like, OK, if you're going to trade Chris Paul, why trade him when his value is the lowest it could possibly be? Why not confirm that he's just a bad basketball player at this point. Like, why not wait for the season to play out? I thought he was due for a bounce back season, but even if Houston thought that that wasn't the case, they could have waited. You know, they could have made this trade at the deadline. They could have made it in the summer. I'm sure OKC was going to have that on the on the table for them either way. Um, it's not like the Rockets were necessarily haggling at all. They just they waited a week to get it done. Um, 
it was very strange the speed at which it happened uh the fact that i you know in the moment and i think i even talked about this with you uh, at the time like i never felt like daryl morey was the loudest voice in the room at, uh, uh, when the trade went down and I don't know who that who that might have been. That could have been Tillman Fertitta. That could have been James Harden. But I I can't shake that feeling that he was not the loudest voice in the room. And at all points, Daryl Morey should be the loudest voice in the room. He's earned that. And I I don't understand why he didn't have it for that trade. I think that's what's so frustrating about the situation in general. I think that's why all Rocket fans are upset right now because you can have the the smartest people, you know, I'm Rafael's going to be great. I think you can have all these great people, but if you have outside influences making the decisions, you know, if, if Tillman Fertitta is making the decision or James Harden's making the decision, you know, you're limited. And I think that's probably the big problem right now. My, my personal opinion is this, it was Harden and Tillman together. I mean, Harden was the monster that they created. They had, they had really no choice because he's that good. Um, but he ran the show and I think he wanted Westbrook here. I think what you're seeing Harden do now make the power play is what happened last off season, just in a smaller way. I think he, he felt that that was something that they had to do and Tillman pushed it through. I mean, yeah, Daryl was part of it. You can't hold him completely blameless, but I think, you know, I I've, you know, we've all watched Daryl Morey since 2006, I, Russell Westbrook did not fit what the Rockets were trying to accomplish. You can't have a high usage guard who cannot shoot threes and can be completely unguarded uh, from 22 feet out. And, you know, they tried a, a, a completely different approach I, and I welcomed it. They moved Clint Capella, moved an additional first round pick and uh, went centerless pretty much. And it, it had a chance. It could have worked, but uh, for whatever reason, I've, it still shocks me even to this day that uh, they just completely went in the tank in those final three games against the Lakers. And that was it. And, you know, right now it's the Titanic sinking and everyone's trying to, to, you know, grab lifeboats. Yeah. And at the same time, it kind of makes sense that that was probably the first instance that you, you figured you sensed Harden's impatience, right? That he was starting to grow frustrated with the team and he forced this Westbrook trade. Like, I think at the time, you know, maybe we didn't read too much into it at the time, but I, I think Harden saw his window closing. He turned 30 that summer and you got to figure that he saw Chris Paul have a bad year. He panicked and he he, he forced this trade through. And, you know, I, th- there was obviously some friction between Paul and and uh, Harden at the end of the season. that we, we discovered that pretty quickly. But I think more so, like, Harden saw Paul have an underwhelming postseason that year and just saw his, you know, his clock ticking, you know? To, 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 for I can't think of a better way to phrase it. It's like, I think he sees his prime running out and he is panicking. He wants to win a championship. Yeah. I would agree with that. I mean, I think there there are teams in the West that are starting to rise, and the Rockets are are pretty much status quo, uh, treading water or sinking a little bit. And I think he he sees that. But you know, you know, it, part of it is humility. I mean, uh, Chris Paul never thought he was a better player than James Harden. I mean, I think that was clear in every interview he ever he ever did talked about how historically great James Harden is. But you know, you have to respect Chris Paul's leadership and his voice. And I, 
you know, I think Harden did to an extent, but you know, my, my personal opinion is that whole unguardable tour, you know, when Paul was injured in, in that season, 2018-19, Harden was historically great. And he had those stretches where he was averaging 40 a game. We're talking about Michael Jordan and we're talking about how great it is what we're witnessing. I, I really think that was sort of the root of some of these problems because I think he started to look at himself even more as, well, why do I need this? And, you know, and I, he, he was so individually great that uh, I think he saw the weaknesses of Chris Paul. But, you know, what's, what's interesting to me is James Harden is such an intelligent basketball player. So why did he let friendship override the fact that he, you know, he has to have known, uh, you know, what Russ Westbrook's weaknesses were. I don't know why he thought that was the solution or why the Rockets would need to give up so many future pieces just to to make that switch. But, you know, maybe he just didn't care because, you know, one year later he's out of here. But, uh, you know, to me, I love James Harden. I'll, I'll be a fan to an extent no matter what happens. But I think this should turn off a lot of Rocket fans to see him one year after pushing for that trade uh, to suddenly uh, bail on the team. Yeah, I can't even imagine like what Rockets fans are feeling right now. At, at, at one point, he saved them from mediocrity and the uh, you know the the treadmill yeah. basically, right? And For sure. At, at the other point, like he may have you know expedited his own exit by forcing that trade, and I can't think of any other way to put it. Like like this is partly his fault. Like he has blood on his hands, and as we learned today, like you know you referenced it a little bit. I, I haven't really said it on the podcast. Um, Harden now wants out of Houston and he prefers to go to the Brooklyn Nets to team up with KD and Kyrie. The Rockets reportedly offered him a two-year, $103 million extension and he declined it. They're saying they're fully comfortable with keeping both of them going into next season, but who knows Like how much of that is posturing and how much of that is serious. I'll say this. It's not looking too good. Uh, this has been the offseason from hell for the Rockets ever since Mike D'Antoni said he was not going to return. Things have slowly spiraled downwards to the point where we're at now. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I think fans are, all eyes are on the owner, you know, and, and, you know, that's what's changed over the last few years. And to see D'Antoni and Maury leave a situation that has been great for so many years, or, or you know, certainly given them a great shot uh, is concerning. And now you've got their star players wanting to to leave as well. And so, you know, it's probably the greatest competitive advantage in sports that people never really talk talk about is is ownership. I mean, if you have ownership that's willing to spend and and steps back and lets the personnel people take control and um and, and you know make smart decisions, then I think that that's a tremendous advantage in any sport that you play. And you know, Tillman Fertitta is uh, you know we're we're judging him based off what we've seen the last two three years and uh, it. It hasn't been good so far. So I think fans are frustrated about that and, you know, worried about some slim years. But I think, you know, if the Rockets do move James Harden, and again, that's still an if, you know, maybe they'll smooth things over. But if they do, I I hope and, and I think that their plan is a good one and that they're going to, you know, try to get as many future picks as possible along with young players. Um, and, you know, hopefully that will – certainly make up what they did in the Westbrook trade. Um, and then maybe, you know, perhaps make a Westbrook trade that is, you know, they're not going to get those kind of assets, but something that can, that can help them as well. And I will say, you know, I, 
there's really no silver lining in the Westbrook trade as far as what they gave up in the future. But in, in, to some extent, there is because if they do completely bottom out, uh, you know, the one there is one through four protection um, on all those picks, and I think most of them extinguish if they're if they're not uh, transferred over on even the swaps as well. So. Um, you know, that that's there is at least a little bit of a an out clause in, in some of those picks of the O. Yeah, it's just jarring to see an organization a once great organization in basketball. Like the Rockets were a pillar in in the NBA. Like they they were one of the smartest teams in the NBA. They were incredibly creative, they were incredibly uh dynamic, that they, they were, you know, willing to look for extra edges where other teams weren't. And uh, obviously they made a, they made a bunch of trades and obviously they were kind of unstable at some point but it was like a stable instability in that you know you always knew there was a plan you always knew that there was an owner that understood you know to stay out of the way and to ask the right questions because I, I think a lot of people view less as kind of a hands-off owner he was not hands-off he was hands-on very much he was just behind the scenes so you didn't see it and he, and he was a very smart guy so he asked all the right questions. So it was, it was, it was beneficial to have a hands-on owner if you have an owner like that. And I think even back like 2009, I, I remember reading an article in the New York times that, you know, like Les was like considered the best owner in basketball at one point. And nobody blinked when that article came out because it was, it, it, he had absolutely had a case. And I, I, I completely agree. Like the bottom is falling out for them this, this off season. It's hard not to look at, the common thread there, you know, Mike D'Antoni left. If you if you read the reporting in the Mike D'Antoni article that Kelly Eco put out, it appears that you know Tillman Fertitta was a part of his decision to go to go away because apparently I think Mike ne- like Mike never got a call back for Till from Tillman or something, and you know Mike was like that's it, I'm out, and you know they were never able to get an extension done with them the, the off season prior. I think that definitely influenced his decision. Yeah, it was the off season prior for sure. For yeah, sure. I mean that that set the stage. I mean they they made him a lame duck coach. You know, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I mean that that's. I mean, I think that for a guy of his stature and and you know what he's done for the Rockets and what he accomplished, I think that was probably offensive to him. And uh, you know they were. I don't want to say nickel and diming because we're talking about millions of dollars, but they were definitely you know trying to get him a little bit cheaper and uh, you know he and certainly on a short term deal. So he you know he didn't like that. And I mean they they played it as if they were a team in transition. So. You know, as if they were saying, "Well, if if, if D'Antoni doesn't do it this year, then then we're going to look for another coach." And you know, they they obviously didn't confer with their uh, uh, star players because I, I don't think that they anticipated that. And I don't think Daryl Morey anticipated that because also in that article by Kelly Eco, like it seemed like Daryl Morey was taken aback by that. And like I know Daryl says that he he thought about this decision for a while, but did you watch his press conferences in Philly? You know, I did not. I only saw like a, I only heard, excuse me, a couple of the audio clips. Okay, so he's he was talking about how he was trying to bring bring Doc Rivers over to Houston, and the way he was talking about it was not like, oh, I was involved in the process and I was trying to persuade him. It was like, no, if I can bring Doc Rivers over here and have him team up with us, as if he was going to stay. Like, I don't think Daryl just like I don't think this was like a like a planned methodical decision. I really think. The D'Antoni decision to walk away shook him a little bit, and I, I think his plan A. I mean, you you don't have to believe me. Look at his quotes. Like he said, the priority for the Rockets' offseason was going to bring Mike, you know, be bringing Mike D'Antoni back, and the fact that you know he stepped away, and like I'm sure he was frustrated a little bit with Tillman for not paying the luxury tax these past few years. Like 
I think he saw an organization where he listen, his peers are getting hired by other organizations. Like the Rockets have been drained from a from a, a brain standpoint. Like like a lot of their talent is at the head of a lot of organizations around the league right now. He saw, you know, an ownership that wasn't willing to spend. He saw the coach that fit perfectly to the style he wanted to play alongside James Harden go away. And I think that, you know, was some of the impetus for his decision to leave. And Harden, as we know, like he was close to both of those guys. Like I, I and I keep saying this, and I think fans get mad at, at me when I say that, like that he was actually that close to D'Antoni. I'm not exaggerating. Those guys were tight. And like I, I, I can't help but feel like Harden seeing both D'Antoni and Maury walk away is like also part of the decision. It's not just the Westbrook trade. Of course, that has something to do with it. But like the organization looks pretty unstable right now. And the guys yeah. he's trusted, you know, since he's been there are all gone. Yeah. I mean, even though there's, you know, a lot of guys, there, there's there's the players here to run it back, quote unquote. It, it looks like you're rebuilding, you're restarting. You're, you've got a young coach, and I, and I think they made a good coach hire, all things considered. But they've got a young coach, uh, you know, a guy who's come a head coach for the first time here. And I think, um, you know, the the GM he he may be familiar with him, but it's it's a different thing. And I think it's it, it just made Harden sort of. Uh, it probably motivated him to, to make that power play. You know, as far as Daryl, I, I really don't know um, all that happened there. I, I I have to have to at least think though, being in the bubble with all those NBA guys, I have to think he was aware uh, of the Philly offer at that time. Now, again, I don't have any evidence of that or proof of that, but I mean, they had pursued him before it got him a huge raise with the Rockets. Um, and I think maybe some of the, you know, he he probably was aware of it. Not that not saying he had already done that, but he, you know, I think he knew he probably had that in his back pocket when things didn't go well here. Because, yeah, I agree with you. I think Daryl Daryl probably wanted Dan Tony back. I think he probably wanted Van Gundy when when things didn't go right. And I don't think, I think he just probably realized he didn't have the the power that he really needed to have to to get this thing going, and he stepped out. I mean, you know, it's it was a smart move in my opinion. I, I think though that Daryl, if he was going to step out, probably should have stepped out at the Westbrook trade because I think, you know, Daryl's never said it, but I I think he had to have known that was not a wise trade in any way. I mean, just just to sacrifice your future pieces like that. I mean, six excuse me, seven years out um, to have a pick. I mean, there will be nobody on this team, you know, that's on this team right now on the team at that time, and and he knows that so. You know, I think if he was to step out, it probably would have been then because it does sort of taint his record a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's right now it's a, it's a tough situation overall for the Rockets because they're they've lost their leadership and now their stars are are fleeing. And at this point, if that if you're going to move those guys, you're probably going to move just about everybody. Yeah, and I keep coming back to this, right? Like, let's just assume Daryl was telling the truth and that he was going to take a gap year, right? Let's just assume, like, like, uh, like, uh, let's assume Yeesh. everything yeah. that man was saying was true right? It took two weeks to convince him to go to another organization. At the very least, if he was telling the truth, the fact that he was able to be persuaded to go to another title contender suggests that he wasn't fully content at his old job or that he could have been convinced to stay. So either way, that's an indictment on Tillman Fertitta. Like, yeah. I I can't, I, I, I don't know I want any other way to spin that. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, if he, you know, he obviously had what, got what he needed to go there. And you can't just say, Oh, it's cause he wanted to go back to the East. Cause you know, he's, 
he's got uh, you know roots there or what have you. It, it there was he's been more. here for thirteen years. Yeah, exactly, and he's beloved in Houston. I mean, there were years where you know people couldn't even name players on the team, but they but they could name Daryl Morey, and he you know he. He kept this. I mean, what he did, you know. I, forget the last year and forget the Westbrook trade, but everything before that and, and all the runs, he was brought here to to be able to find those value pieces around Yao Ming and Tracy McGrady, and he never had those guys healthy. But I mean, right off the get, right off the bat, I mean, I still remember Clutch fans in two thousand six, myself leading the charge about how horrible that you know uh, eighth pick of the draft for for Shane Battier was. But, you know, you put that contrast, Shane Battier, the no-stats all-star, to Russell Westbrook, who's the all-stats all-star, if you will. And, and it's just such a, a contradiction. I mean, it's, it's Daryl Morey was about finding the value and, and, and pulling value out of basically nothing. Um, and instead, it became, you know, at the very end, just crashed into this give up so much value for – uh, you know, star attractions that really didn't add the value to the team. But yeah, it, to me, I have mad respect for, for Daryl Morey for everything he did here. I think a lot of fans right now, or, or I should say some fans are pretty upset feeling like he just went out the back door with, and, and the team's left in, in shambles. But I, I personally feel uh, that was not totally his decision. And a lot of it was out of his hands. I mean, if you go back to that summer specifically, like I remember, seeing Chris Paul and Maury deny on Instagram the reporting. And I like, I, do you remember that quote where he said, like, we are 100% going yeah. to bring Chris Paul back? Yeah. I, I do. I think that was his plan. I think that, I think until the Westbrook trade became available, I think he didn't give up on Chris Paul. I think he wanted to bring him back. I thought, I think he knew he was due for a bounce back season. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm not sure if he knew about that. I think he just felt like, you know, what for what was being offered out there, uh, you know, he just felt like that wasn't, you know, we, we're going to go with Chris Paul. I don't know if he knew about the bounce back season. I, I personally felt like, why would you trade Chris Paul right now? It's it's a sell low situation, the absolute opposite of what you want to do. And, and as a matter of fact, if you were to, to compare that to right now, if Russell Westbrook's value is very low and you have to trade Harden, I wouldn't even mind running – uh, for a while with Russ as the lead, kind of become the OKC and 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 just showcase this player and at the right time, at the right you know deadline or what have you, move him and, and get what you can for him. I think what OKC's done is is brilliant. I mean, it may not work out, but they've added so many picks um, that you know that's in my opinion the way to go. Something's going to hit, um, and you know I I just think that basically the Rockets are in that sort of boat where uh, they don't know which direction they're going to go. They know they have a bunch of future pieces that they've given up and they've got to recover that if they're going to, if they're going to rebuild it all, because it's going to be lean, some lean years if they don't. Before we get into what the Rockets will and should do, let's talk about like how they got to this point. Cause I think that's important. Uh, so the situation is pretty unique in that there's a million what ifs you could point to. Like, what if Chris, Chris Paul never tears his hamstring? What if the Rockets don't miss 27 straight threes? What if they paid the luxury tax? What if they, needed, they never traded for Westbrook? All of that is fair. But for you, is there one what if that sticks up, like sticks out among the rest? Well, I think the obvious one is you mentioned is the hamstring. If that hadn't happened, I agree. I mean, they, they would have the title. They would have beaten LeBron. It would have just been the, 
NBA history would have been completely different. James Harden would be a champion. Chris Paul would be a champion. They would have beaten LeBron. I mean, they would have crushed LeBron and the Cavs that year. I, but but whatever. But to me, it will always be the the Westbrook trade. I mean that that you know if you knew that you were getting to that point. I mean, granted, James Harden just had another MVP caliber season. Probably should have been the MVP, but. When they pushed that into, you know, pushed the Rockets, when he pushed the Rockets and, and Tillman did as well into making that kind of decision, um, you know, I was always going to be okay with the time where if where James Harden made this type of decision. You know, it's not working out. Let's go. You know, I, I need to go to a contender. I, I would have always been okay with that. If they hadn't made the Westbrook trade, <laughs> but making the Westbrook trade and going all in, I mean, he would basically – be leaving this team in shambles, uh, you know, in, in my personal opinion. And I feel like it's, uh, I don't want to say cowardly. That's probably a little harsh, but I just feel like it's, uh, it, it's gotten me to turn a little bit on Harden. And I think other fans as well, because I feel like, Hey, you know, you, you, this is what you wanted. Um, and you got it and now you're bailing. So, and, and it's not like you can reverse this kind of thing. So uh, that to me is probably the biggest, what if, because I think, um, you know, the Rockets could transition wisely and smartly to a, to a solid rebuild um, if they had to. But, you know, right now they're not in any position to do that. They, they really, when they made that Westbrook trade, they really needed to go two, three years. I, I really gave it two years. Um, and, and before making this kind of decision, this is not the best time because, you know, you do owe this pick coming up. I can't remember the protections on this particular one. Maybe it's just top four. Um you know, this pick that they owe OKC for this coming uh, a year from oh, now. Oh, it's just a swap. Oh, it's a swap. Okay. Is it, I can't remember if it's the top four protection on the swap. Like if the Rockets get a top four, then they don't, they don't swap out. But um, yeah, I mean, so, you know, if you completely tank this year, you, that's the only way you really are going to get value for a, for a terrible season. Yeah. And it's not even just that he, th- that they traded those picks is that, those picks are capital so that if Harden is truly unhappy, they could make another move this offseason with Chris Paul still on their roster and trade perhaps, you know, Robert Covington, or if they still have Clint Capella, they could trade Clint Capella, they could trade oh, yeah. they could trade Eric Gordon, they could trade any one of those contracts and perhaps, you know, I, you know, I don't know if there's one available for them, but you know, perhaps try to swing for a third star. Yeah, they could right. they could do that this offseason. If they didn't trade all those picks. Yeah. I mean, imagine if this team, I mean, they would have been completely different last year. I, my personal opinion is if they had Chris Paul and, and with this whole plant based and complete turnaround, I think they'd be the Lakers, but that's just opinion. But, but if you had Chris Paul on this team and you didn't trade those picks, I mean, they were, they were pursuing Jimmy Butler at an expiring uh, situation for, with four picks, which I thought was crazy at the time. But I mean, if you're going to give up your future picks, think of what you could have added to to that those two, and and the whole reason you traded Chris Paul. Yes, Tillman thought it was one of the you know, if not the worst, he thought it was one of the worst contracts in the NBA, and actually, ironically, acquired arguably the worst contract in the NBA, or certainly one of um, in doing that. But um, you know, the the real reason they had to 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 make that move was because of Harden. I mean, Harden was call, you know, that that's documented. He was calling daily, Daryl, you know, finding out what the status is. You know, do we have Rush yet? And blah, blah, blah. So um, you know, if, if they could have just taken a step back, just maybe 
a little bit of humility from James Harden and, and fix that with Chris Paul, um, you know, they would be in a much better situation to, like you said, acquire a third star with those kind of assets. It is just crazy to think about how NBA history could turn on a dime or turn on a hamstring like that. Like, if Chris Paul doesn't tear his hamstring, the Rockets probably advance to the finals and maybe win the championship. Uh, you know, like, uh, there are other people that say maybe the Cavs give him a shot. So w- let's just say they maybe win a championship. He doesn't have a poor 2018 season until Chris Paul because he's not recovering from a hamstring. Um, the Rockets don't trade for Westbrook because his value, I mean, Chris Paul's value is pretty high. <laughs> uh, they still have all their upcoming picks. And Harden, Maury, and D'Antoni aren't as disgruntled because maybe they have a championship. Like, I think it will go down as the greatest what-if in franchise history, and I don't think it's close. I think Yao Ming's foot is pretty up there, but I think, you know, this probably tops it. Yeah, you. I think you could make that case. Uh, you know, I don't, as, as far as NBA history, I don't know. I had to scan that and think about that. But as, in franchise know, course, history. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, franchise, if that's what you're saying, I, I would agree with that. I mean, that's... Um, I mean, maybe you can go back to the 80s where you think to yourself, if you traded Samson for Jordan, well, how, how would uh, that have been? But, uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, it's certainly up there because that, I mean, and, and what a great championship it would have been to have beaten the Warriors in their prime all together like that. Um, you know, no other team, no other team even made noise against them. Um, really at all. I mean, you can throw out the, the Raptors championship. I mean, congrats to them, but you know, there are all kinds of injuries in that series. Um, but you know what the Rockets did to the, to the Warriors being up three, two like that. Uh, I mean, that was to me incredibly impressive. And I think the Rockets played so well together as a unit and had, had, um, you know, it, 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 I guess there's, there's all kinds of what ifs you could look about that. Even with Paul out, they could have, there were a lot of what ifs as they could have won that series, but um, yeah, it, it's definitely still painful to this day. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world and more total visits than any other job sites according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with the candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager on than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day and every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.
Yeah, and what's so impressive about that series is even after Paul went down, they still fought pretty hard. Like, I think people forget, they lost that last game by by eight points, I think. And, like, Harden, like that was without Chris Paul, and they missed a bunch of threes. And, like, you, you kind of figure if you have Chris Paul in that situation, home court, game seven, I, 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 think, I think they win that game. I really do. I think they win that series w- with Chris Paul. Even if you think the Warriors take game six, you know, Clay Thompson always has his game sixes. Like, I think they win Game Seven, and I, I like it's 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 just, it's a great what if. It's a great what if. Um, okay, now let's talk about the Rockets should do now. I, I think it's pretty clear. If both Harden and Westbrook are past the point of being convinced, they should blow it up. But they have no incentive to rush this or trade them to the teams of their choice. Like, Houston, Harden is locked under contract for two more years. He has limited leverage, and the Rockets can wait until they get the best offer for them. He may still end up on the Nets, but the Rockets can squeeze Brooklyn for the most possible assets. And I don't even think Brooklyn has the, the best possible offer on the table. I, that's clearly Philadelphia with Ben Simmons. And Harden's a Prano MVP candidate. He's like a generational offensive talent. These offers are still going to be on the table at the trade light deadline or even next summer. I see no reason for them to rush this. Well, there's so many things that we that we don't know. Like so we, we know certain things, but there's a lot of puzzle pieces missing. And I mean, I mean, think about what Russell Westbrook is thinking right now. You know, I mean, he he was recruited, you know, for lack of a better term, to come here. And and here's James Harden wanting wanting out and and wants to go play with his also OKC buddy, who's really Westbrook's rival, more or less. Uh, in KD, I mean, he, I would guess again, I don't know this for, for certain, but I would guess he feels a little bit betrayed. Um, I don't know what their relationship is like right now. They've always been great friends, so I'm sure it will probably be smoothed over, but, uh, you know what it is right now, we don't know, but I think to me, the, the Rockets, the first thing that they need to do is, is try to fix things with James Harden. So, Try to fix the situation and then talk about, okay, what can we do to improve this roster? And if for, for me, I've always taken this as James Harden and, and Russell Westbrook are attached at the hip. Like I, I felt like if, if you traded Westbrook, James would be like, I'm out of here. Forget it. So I, you know, I'd like to figure out what's going on there because if the Rockets are able to move Westbrook, they could, there's a chance they could get better. I mean, that's just my opinion. I, mean, I know other, you know, a lot of Russ fans and, and other people will criticize me for saying that, but I, I mean, cause he is a, he's a good player at what he does. I think what the Rockets trying to accomplish, I'm, I'm not so sure. I mean, what can they get for Russell Westbrook? Realistically, it's a huge contract. So I'd like to know that. I think the first thing they want to do is smooth things over with Harden. If that can't happen in my personal opinion, for him wanting out at this point with, with really all that's happened over the last year, I mean, I'm just holding out for the best deal. I'm not looking to move him to Brooklyn only, which is the only, you know, apparently the only uh, destination he wants. Uh, I, to me, it's, it's who's going to come up with the best deal. And, you know, and that's, that's it. I think I would, I would want at least what, uh, the, you know, what OKC got for Paul George, if not more. Um, Ben, I think Ben Simmons is attractive as far as, you know, being able to have a, a young star. Um, but picks, we need picks because whether you use them or you trade them or whatever, you're, you know, you can, you can use that as, as a currency in this, in this league to improve your team. So that's what I'm looking at. I'm not looking at, you know, making James Harden happy because if he leaves here, I mean, it's, 
he's he's taking uh you know he's leaving basically scorched earth here in Houston. Yeah, the the market for Westbrook is so fascinating because it is really barren. Like you're talking about like three or four teams that might potentially have interest. And these are like middling teams in the Eastern Conference that just want to taste the playoffs and I think even those teams want like first round picks back. And if that's the case, the Rockets should absolutely not trade Westbrook. Like that's just, that's like you as a franchise are in no position to trade any more first round picks straight up. Like unless you're getting a star player back, you're past that point where you can just trade first round picks to improve. And I think the only improvements the Rockets can find are on the margins. I think, you know, you bring the roster back, you sign someone for the taxpayer MLE, maybe the mid, maybe the, you know, veterans minimum, like that's it. Like I don't, I don't see, I don't see any other way you can improve because I just, I, I don't think you should be trading those first round picks like that. That OKC trade left you so barren on picks and you know, you traded picks for in the Covington deal. Like I, I don't think, I don't think the rocks can afford to move picks like that. Like I, I think like if they find a deal, they should be prepared to take back some, you know, maybe not the best contracts, but maybe some better fitting pieces. I understand what you're saying. Like, I, I completely agree. I think the floor of a Harden and parts team is better than a Harden and a, and a rust trade, but the ceiling might be better with the latter, right? Yeah. As far as, uh, Harden and, and Russ. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I, I mean, you know, I'm I, like, I, there's so many factors here that we just don't know. I mean, obviously Tillman Fertitta, you know, even before COVID became an issue uh, was, you know, showing, Hemorrhaging money. Yeah, I mean, he was, yeah. I mean, certainly now he is. I, I for sure. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, we've we've seen him borrow money, but you know, he had to borrow money to buy the Rockets as well. And so, I, I think, um, you know, I, I, this is going to sound like I'm totally defending him, but uh, it's not where I'm going. I think he does get a bad rap for not spending the luxury tax uh, at times because Les Alexander did it what tw- twice in 25 years. And I think one time was accidental. I mean, they, they tried to get under and we're just like a few hundred thousand over. Um, but, you know, I think to not spend in 1819 when they were, yeah, they were trying to avoid the repeater tax, uh, assuming that Chris Paul was going to be there, but that was a good opportunity for them. And they really cheaped out. I mean, James Ennis was just a flop and, you know, to have to keep Daniel House in in uh, the D League. I mean, they went to great lengths to avoid paying the luxury tax that year. And uh, you know, Terrell earned his salary. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it that way in in making all these these moves. But you know, the Rockets for for years have been throwing away picks. Uh, you know, if, I think the Lou Williams trade was a good one to get you know that year where they they wanted to unload Brewer. And they got Lou Williams and, you know, they, they gave the Lakers a first round pick. That, that was a good trade. But there were other years where they were just, you know, trading first round picks to to get rid of salaries. I mean, uh, Jeremy Lin was one and and others. And so, you know, th- that hurts because you don't have the young players. Uh, you know, they, they haven't really had a young player to groom in a while. I mean, we've been we got all pumped up about Isaiah Hartenstein and that, <laughs> that was a waste of time. And so, you know, there's. um you know, there's, there's a need for youth, I think in general, uh, just, you know, you see what Daniel house did when he played well. I mean, that was, that could have a huge impact around a guy like Harden. So if you were to add a, a, you know, a a pick in the 10 to 20 range, I mean, who knows, you know, if you have a shrewd and smart management, um, the scouting team, who knows you, who you could pull from there. You could get a guy who could groom out to be a third star or, or certainly a starter or significant contributor. So, 
to me, uh, you know, not having picks and not even having second rounders really uh, has hurt the team for a few years. Yeah, this might be a a not bad summer to trade PJ Tucker. Even if you try to bring the team back and you try to, you know, go at it again, like just to get a first round pick back and, you know, to use that first round pick and, you know, maybe you can tr- you can use that in a Westbrook trade. Maybe you can use that. I mean, maybe, maybe you can just keep it. Maybe, you know, maybe you can keep the young asset and draft it. You're like, you know, they, they, there are some things they can try. It just, yeah. it, 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 they're in a bad spot though. It's going to be really tough. I, I have no sympathy for Rafael Stone. Yeah, you know, no doubt. I mean, it's going to be very tough because, I mean, yeah, think about it. When you're a contending team, you add the, I mean, look at the what the Warriors did. Added DeMarcus Cousins at the time for $5 million, which was a, just created shockwaves around the league. And then the next year signs for like $2 million with the Lakers, you know, because he just, for whatever reason, as you know, wasn't able to get what, what he thought. I, can, my, my point is contending teams can usually sometimes get, uh, you know, players maybe a little bit cheaper. I mean, P.J. Tucker wanted to be here. And, you know, and sign that deal for possibly below market value at that time. I, to me, the Rockets, given what Harden and Westbrook have said, I mean, they're just a completely unattractive situation. I mean, who's going to want to come here? They, they don't even know if they're going to be playing with James Harden and Russell Westbrook or one or the other or, or neither. Um, so, I mean, this whole, uh, you know, that's why I say people, I think fans could be a little bit upset right now because, why you know the Rockets have, or I mean, excuse me, Harden and maybe to a lesser extent Westbrook have really put the Rockets in a tough situation. Uh, I mean, they can go in a variety of directions, but they certainly can't attract very easily. Um, you know, win now pieces uh, on the market, and uh, you know you're not going to see James Harden and Russell Westbrook joining any recruiting pitches with Akeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler right now. So it's it's frustrating all around, and um, you know the Rockets have got to to figure this out. But I, I would take, I would take the Pelicans approach, you know, like that they did with Anthony Davis. I would, you know, Anthony Davis tried to strong arm his way to, to LA and, you know, ultimately it did work, but you need to get a haul. You need to get a ton of assets. If you're going to move a James Harden in, in his prime or the tail end of his prime, whatever you want to call it. I mean, he could win a championship for the team that he goes to. And, and, and certainly Brooklyn could, you know, if he goes to Brooklyn, they're they're possibly the leading contender to win it all next year. So, uh, you you better get everything and then some in any kind of trade for James Harden. You know, each individual move they made this summer, like it's it might be defensible as as one, but it's the whole right, and it's the process behind it that that makes you question what's going on upstairs. And it's like you know, like like you said earlier, like yeah, Rafael Stone could be completely awesome at his job. He could be. You know, one of the best in the league. We have no idea. But the problem is you let one of the best in the league walk away. Steven Silas could be an amazing head coach, but you let a proven asset walk away in Mike D'Antoni, right? And someone who had a strong relationship with the star player. And that's kind of why I think this this is why, you know, you said at the top of the podcast, like ownership is the most, like, important element that we don't talk enough about in the NBA. It just, it is, it's the most, like, I think Les Alexander had a capable capability to have the longest view in the room that Tillman doesn't possess, or at least doesn't possess yet that anything we've seen, right? Like, I think Tillman seems to be a little bit more impatient about this stuff. And Les was very much like seeing things like five, 10, 15 years ahead and I, I don't know if I see that with this new ownership. 
Yeah, you know, I think as far as way out into the future, just just bits and pieces I've heard here and there. I think the Rockets will be in better hands when the when the ownership is probably more in in Tillman's kids' hands um, than Tillman himself. I mean, Tillman is is a very um, can be very abrasive personality, can be a, a yeller, a, a screamer, and um, you know, you he's he's very in your face, and so. Um, it's it's definitely a different different than Les Alexander. Um, I, you know, I when the, he first bought the team, I saw a lot of improvements in things. I, I you know that things that don't necessarily matter as far as on court, but you know there were more uh, finer things, if you will, that they they he was making upgrades. It seemed like he was more willing to spend uh, than Les Alexander at that time. But it, it you know it just hasn't hasn't been that way. And I will say that if I owned the Rockets. And I, let's say I had billions of dollars. I'm not sure unless, unless I could, you know, be pretty dang sure that I was adding a, a significant contributor. I'm not sure I want to dump, you know, jump into the luxury tax either. I mean, it's, it's an unattractive situation for any o- owner, but you know, if they had situ- if they had times, I mean, like, could they not have gotten Jeremy Grant when, when, um, you know, in that Westbrook trade, I mean, I tend to think that with the first round picks they were giving up, they probably could have. I mean, and with the margin, um, you know, they could have taken on that salary, which would have been attractive as well to to OKC. That that could have been uh, worth paying the luxury tax for. That could have been a significant contributor. Um, but I just don't, you know, most years it's I think it's hard to justify paying the luxury tax unless you're in a situation like the Golden State Warriors, where you've got just megastars across the board and, you know, you're printing money basically yeah i mean here's the problem i have with that like you have a player that's probably going to go down as one of the 25 greatest players of all time in james harden like that's how good he is and you're the next iteration of your team whether that's a championship contender or not you're likely not going to get a player as good as this like just that's just the odds like even if you go get ben simmons even if you go get you know a ton of picks it doesn't matter like that player whoever your best player is probably isn't going to be good as good as this guy and when you have a player as good as this guy, you do everything you possibly can to get every competitive advantage you can to win a championship. And that's what's disappointing is I don't think the Rockets did. I don't. And, and you know, you're, you're referencing the the Westbrook trade where they could have added on salary. And, you know, that's that's part of it. Also, like, they could have done other stuff. Like, they, even if, like, like listen, I thought Trevor Reza was, was kind of past his prime there, like, when they the Rockets let him go. But... They could have brought him back to use that contract in other trades, right? They yeah. had it. They had his bird rights. They could have paid him whatever he wanted, and they could have used that contract to, to acquire other players. And you are right on that. But I, if I'm not mistaken, at that time Ryan Anderson was still under contract, right? It, it would have been a, a huge luxury tax bill. But yes, they could have brought Ariza back, or even Iman Shumpert. They could have brought Iman Shumpert back for yeah, his, his bird rights. Yeah, and that's these are the kinds of small things that can help you win on the margins. And the fact that Houston didn't do that, I, I can't think of anything else now other than calling it an indictment. Like, like, listen, I've been pretty patient with the with ownership. The way I've evaluated them is like, okay, I'm just going to wait a few more, wait, wait a year, wait a year, wait a year. Just, I, want the, I want the full picture. I want as many data points as I can before I make a judgment. But this summer, like the bottom fell out. Like you just let Mike and Daryl walk away in one summer. Like that. that's, that's the greatest indictment you could find. And... Like, like, yeah, like Harden might have hemorrhaged the franchise a little bit. I, I, I agree, but I don't blame him. Like, for just growing impatient with the franchise or wanting out now. Like, it's it's gonna take a lot of massaging 
to fix this. I will say I don't blame Harden for for being impatient or wanting to add assets. I do blame him for as as any kind of general manager for thinking Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook plus all the you know Chris Paul plus all those assets for Russell Westbrook was a smart on the court decision. Like you know if he wants to talk about a marketing decision or or having a buddy neck by your side and not gonna you know get in your ear then then yeah he got what he wanted. But as far as any kind of on the on the court decision, I you know to me I. James Harden, the GM, would have been fired the moment that that deal happened. Uh, but, you know, James Harden, the player is so great that you have to – it's just, like I said, they created a monster because, um, you know, he he was so good and is so good that you have to keep him happy. I mean, that's just the way it is in, in this day and age in the NBA. I mean, if you have a, a an elite talent like that, I mean, James Harden's floor is probably 45, 48, 50 wins, just having him on the team. Um, and, you know, and that's just adding four guys off the D league around him. Um, so, you know, to me, I, you, you have to keep him happy, but something needed to happen there because that was just, I mean, it, it basically derailed the franchise completely. I mean, it's one singular move that just the the rockets train went off the tracks at that point the ending is never pretty uh, in these kinds of situations and uh this is not going to go down as one of those storybook endings like it's 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 ugly it's ugly and I, I, even if the rockets can manage to can persuade james harden to ride it out one more season i i, I just don't see a, a scenario where they're seriously in the title hunt next year like, i just think the west is too good like i think there are three or four good teams that I would classify as better than the Rockets right now. And the Rockets just don't have that many pathways to improve. It's going to, it's, it's going to be again, like this is the toughest job in the NBA right now. Uh, and it's, it, it sucks that a rookie GM is taking it over, but it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say not, not to interrupt you there, but I think they have to have the run it back threat to get what they want. Cause if anyone else thinks they have, if any team in the league thinks they have to move Harden, then, um, you know, then then they're not going to get everything that they want. So ideally, you've got a D'Antoni and, and Daryl Morey bidding war going on between Philly and and, uh, and Brooklyn um, because you need to get paid. And I don't know how, you know, OKC was able to squeeze what they did out of the Rockets. I have no idea how they were able to squeeze what they did out of the Clippers. But the Rockets need to do that and then some from some uh, – franchise that is just exactly in the situation the Rockets were last year desperate to make it happen you know maybe KD's in their ear saying we need to make this happen and they're they're you know dumping everything but I just don't I don't like what the as far as players young players what Brooklyn is can offer compared to what possibly Philly could offer I just love the idea of like the entire league dumping on Sam Presti for like 10 years for this hardened trade and this is like his form of revenge. It's like, okay, I have 16 first round picks for the next six years. Like, is that good enough of an apology for you guys? Like, am I good now? Like, it's just, like, this is just hilarious watching accumulate picks like this. Like, he got another first round pick today in the Chris Paul trade, and he's yeah. probably going to get another one for uh, trading Ricky Rubio. It's going to be, oh my God. I, I, there's going to be a draft where Sam Presti's just up there, like, okay, we'll, we'll, t- we'll take this guy, then this guy, then this guy. And then yeah. th- that team could take this guy, but then then our pick after that is this guy. It's just like it's it's hilarious. It yeah, is. He's, he's taking the Sam Hinkie role. I mean, that's what Hinkie did with with Philly and set them up beautifully uh, before they made the similar type of mistakes where they where they overpaid a bunch of players. OKC's 
you know, they're obviously loved by everyone right now because they have all these future pieces. But once they start making decisions, contracts and stuff like that, then things start getting cemented in. But you're right. Right now, I, I mean, I'm jealous of their situation because I think they've got they're patient and they've, they've got a GM who's able to scoop up the picks like that. Who's, who, that's that's the goal. And the ownership is OK with that. Yeah. Well, listen, we did it. We podcasted for 45 minutes and the Rockets didn't make any moves. No, no news broke. Uh, it, it feels like the, the first 45 minutes in three days where nothing happened. Uh, Dave, where, where can we follow you on Twitter and listen to your podcast? Yeah, it's been a while since I've done a podcast. I, I'm going to do one with Bema Thug soon. Um, but uh, yeah, just on Twitter at Clutch Fans um, and the website's clutchfans.net. Just uh, a message board and um, and, you know, blogs and articles and fans just uh right now up in arms but uh yeah i appreciate it thank you so much for coming on you bet man thank you and we are back after the rockets just traded robert covington for trevor ariza and two first round picks from the blazers um what are you thinking man you think this you think this is it you think they're tearing it up now yeah it's it's funny right you had mentioned yeah you know let's see if we can get a podcast done without the rockets doing anything and this happened just a few minutes after we finished this up i think this is uh um it's the start of something right i mean on one hand it looks absolutely like okay the rebuild has begun because covington's a better player than Ariza at this point and was so key defensively and and uh you know he's just a better player than trevor Ariza at this point but at the same time I'm not ready to say it's a total rebuild just yet, that they're going to throw their stars away because Ariza is comfortable around P.J. Tucker and, and James Harden, and uh, he knows h- how this team plays and uh, is, is a very key contributor. He's a few years older. Um, but there's just so much irony here. This is the third stint for Trevor Ariza. I mean, he originally signed here as a free agent. I think it was 09 maybe, um, and you know was, was here to be with – Yao Ming, and it didn't work work out necessarily. Then they, you know, brought him back later on with, um, you know, the Harden's uh, years. But uh, I, I don't. I'm not ready to say they are a complete rebuild right now because I think Trevor Ariza still fits into win now mode, and if he can, he's a solid contributor. Um, but I love this trade as far as getting some picks. I mean, that's something that this team needs. Um, whether it's even moving these young players for something else that, you know, keeps James Harden more interested here. Uh, But just, they need some young players. They need some youth, some talent. Uh, So I'm excited about that. I mean, like, you know, all the things that the Westbrook trade did, this at least replaces two picks that you, uh, you were missing. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I don't know if this is a sign of a rebuild or if it's a sign of things to come. It's like one of those things where like, I need to see the second move. Because you got to figure there's going to be a second move coming. This this move is not something you do in a vacuum and then start the season. This is a this is a move you do if you're going to blow it up and you trade all these other extra parts, or you're using the, those first round picks for something else. And I'm not sure if that's what they're doing or if they see someone in the draft that they really like that can help them win. Now it's it's hard to imagine, right? Because Covington was so valuable, but maybe they see someone. I mean, I see. I haven't really studied this draft that much because. <laughs> Me neither. I, it's funny you say that. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like, I, it's just like we don't have that much tape from this draft at all to watch. And I, I the Rockets didn't have a pick, so I'm like, I don't, I don't have to watch anything from this draft. And I was just like, now I'm like, I'm wondering if they're chasing a vet or they're chasing a young player. It's it's tough to tell. Yeah, you know, it's not a, it's not like a, this great draft. Certainly, like necessarily up at the top, but 
you know, I, I've kind of wondered if the Rockets were, were, you know, or I should say if this draft in general would be good because they don't, like you said, they don't have much tape on a lot of these guys. We didn't get to see a tournament, you know, granted personnel teams across the league or, you know, teams know a lot of these guys. They've been following them probably since they were, you know, in junior high or high school. They know a lot of players that are out there. But I just tend to think that some players may slip through the cracks and maybe at 16, which I'm ecstatic that they have the 16th pick, um, you know, they're able to find a, a, uh, somebody with some high upside or somebody who's, you know, uh, a junior or senior and can contribute now and um, is overlooked by younger teams that um, are looking for future pieces. So who knows? But to me, this is a much needed influx of youth. They they, they have to get some some uh, picks, whether, like I said, whether they add them or, you know, actually select players or trade them for what they need at the moment. By the way, does Trevor Reza like bring his old Jersey back or do, do you think, you think they just, <laughs> you think they make, they make new ones for him because he, I, you got to figure he's only been here, what, two years ago. I feel like he already has a Jersey ready to go. Yeah. He definitely has got one. That's probably not the exact uh, ones that they're running with right at this moment, but yes, uh, he's, he's got his Rockets Jersey. He's probably got several of them. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think Trevor Reza wanted to leave, but I think he knew he wasn't going to get paid here. So it is kind of interesting that he's coming back here on a, what, probably $12 million average annual salary. I think this is the, the final year of his deal. Um, and, uh, you know, the Rockets net a couple picks. They, they get a guy who is similar to Ariza, albeit older. I mean, excuse me, similar to Covington. Um, but he's very familiar with this team. He can He can – fill a role if the Rockets are going to run it back I mean who better to run it back with than Trevor Reza I mean well Robert Covington's better right <laughs> but I'm saying Trevor Reza is very familiar with with all of these players and this could also be like an in-between move like this could also just mean like oh no we just want the first round picks we want to cash in on this while we can and also still win now and it I, I don't know, like, because you also figure, like, we talked about before we stopped recording that the Rockets are going to need first round picks if they trade Westbrook this this summer, or rather this off season, and this is first round picks that you could use to in a Westbrook trade, and this deal isn't done yet, right? It's only agreed upon in principle because they can't do the trade because they haven't. Correct. Yeah, they they can't select. Uh, they have they have to select the twenty twenty pick first, and so the Rockets will tell Portland who to select. It doesn't really matter, but the trade's not done yet. So you kind of figure like, does Houston expand this trade? Did, did they use those first round picks? Did they reroute it to another team to take on Westbrook? Did they reroute it to another team to do something else? You know, it's 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 it's, it, it's just too vague. I don't I, I don't have a sense of what they're doing yet, and. I, I guess it's exciting. You, you know, it's it's something different. They aren't spinning their wheels a little bit. They're 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 trying to get creative. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, it's my initial reaction was okay. There it goes. It's starting uh, the rebuild. You know, because you, you lose a guy like Covington. But no, I don't think so. I, I mean, I don't think that there's they can still go either way uh, with this trade. I mean, the initial reaction is they got worse as far as players on the court you know they, they added Ariza lose Covington I mean Covington was so key in what they were what they were doing but Silas wants to run you know he's envisioning a center here uh, they're gonna run something different so you know I think Ariza could fill that three role um, if they run it back for a year uh, so I, I don't think it necessarily signals they're out I mean it now gives the Rockets 
young pieces to get something that they need if they convince James Harden to stay. So, you know, people who are thinking, oh, this is it, this, it's over, it's, you know, maybe. But I, to me, they at least now have some, some chips to, that they can move in on the table and say, hey, we're in the game. You know, we can add somebody here that, uh, you know, acquire somebody um, that helps us to contend this year. So, but, you know, uh, overlooked in the fact is, is that Portland gets better. Portland, you know, added yeah. a significant contributor here. So um, you've improved a, a team in the West that's that's a rival. So, I mean, I lean a little bit like the Rockets are hedging their bet if if they really can't convince, you know, convince Harden to stay and, and Ariza, maybe you can flip him at the deadline or sooner uh, for an additional pick or two or something. Uh, but, um you know, in my opinion, uh, this doesn't dictate for sure that they're not going to have James Harden back. Yeah, or they just have the contract of Ariza to do something else, right? Like, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think they're they're necessarily done trading Ariza. I'd be surprised if they if they're just going to keep him for the rest of the year. But I I suspect they're going to move him at the deadline, whether that's for uh, a trade that gets you back a first round pick or whether that's a a trade that gets you back a contributor. It really depends on what the Rockets do for the rest of the offseason to figure out what they're doing. Like it, it, you definitely, it, I'm still in wait and see. Like, I don't know what they're doing, but I, this, this does, this is a, the kind of move where you can hedge either way, as you said. Yeah. I mean, to me, uh, you know, yes, I, I would agree with you that they'll flip Ariza if they don't bring Harden back. You know, I, I think he's going to possibly be an uh, important piece to the team if they do, and they're running it back. But uh, if they don't, yeah, I mean, do exactly what OKC is doing. I mean, I think the, I really feel like the Rockets sort of pioneered this approach or they really, um, you know, started this approach before they got hardened. That's kind of how they positioned themselves to get hardened. Uh, I mean, they weren't the first team to do it, but they did it uh, more significantly. And then Sam Hinkie went to Philly and and just cranked it up to 11, you know, and, 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 and did it. Uh, extensively acquire as many picks as possible. And I think if Hinky has stayed there, I don't want to get way off course, you know, he would have used all those pick assets that he had to acquire pieces around his, his uh, young picks that hit. So um, that's if the Rockets are going to rebuild, if they do go that route, then yes, Trevor Ariza is a piece that if you flip it, you know, if you're, if you're willing to spend a little bit of money, which we don't know about Tillman, you can flip it at the deadline for perhaps a contract, that goes an extra year at 10 to 12 million and you get a first round pick, you know, you're, you're taking a salary burden off of somebody or similar to what Phoenix did. They picked up Kelly Oubre for a reason because the team felt like, you know, Trevor could uh, help them contend. And so, you know, anything's possible. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that this dictates, like I said, that they're going to rebuild, but maybe I'm leaning a little bit that way. This is a crazy stat by uh, Jonathan Fagan retweeted it. Trevor Reza played for the Rockets on four different presidential terms. That's just, that's just, <laughs> that's just, that's just dumb. That's just dumb. I mean, he, he just has, the, the Rockets can't shake him. The Rockets cannot shake him. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see, we'll, we'll see what they do. Uh, if they do tear it down. I mean, it'd be interesting if they tear it down around Harden, because that's like the third option here, right? They, they can tear it down, including Harden. Or they can bring back the entire core if they tear it down around Harden. Perhaps you know try to rebuild some of that. I mean, it's been talked about a bunch. Try to rebuild some of that 2016-17 team where you're just shooters, a role man, and Harden. 
that's a fun team. That's a, that's a winning team. It gets you to 50 wins. I'm not sure if Harden's necessarily going to be happy with that. But, um, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing where, like, you can you can go both ways. You can use those assets again, and you know I don't know. It, it, it's, I'm just it, I have a bunch of scattered thoughts right now. It's it, it's one of those. It, they always do these trades at like eleven o'clock at night. So it's <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, this was fun. Uh, we got we got this podcast in, and hopefully nothing happens after we stop recording this time. Subscribe yeah. to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Follow uh, Dave on Twitter at ClutchFans. Go on his website, ClutchFans.com. Subscribe to his podcast. And yeah, guys, good night.